Hey Coconuts, welcome back to another episode of Weekly Market Updates where we scour the net for worthy financial news. This week, Rakesh is away so we have a slightly different pace. We are going to go through bank earnings and a bit of how it might affect the macro and what we see with it. Now, some, with Reggie around, we have to talk about something political so we are going to do the BRICS and new members and how that might affect the value of the USD. And lastly, you know, China, the Chinese have decided not to pay their mortgage. That, that's brilliant news so, so let's see what happens there. Hi Coconuts and welcome back to another episode of Weekly Market Updates with me, Anthony, no Rakesh, and Reggie. Yeah, and me, <laughs> Reggie in the house, yes. Yes, 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 welcome, welcome. Very happy to be on the show again, yes. Yes, yes, um, what, what else do you have to plug for us today? <laughs> oh, today I got no plug. Today I got no plug, okay. <laughs> <laughs> things, are, things are going smooth, so no plug, right? Every time I plug something, means I need something, right? So, so thank you for supporting the podcast. Just uh, like, share, subscribe. All <laughs> right. Plug? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, because we have Reggie here today and, and no Rakesh, then naturally we have, we have a bit less tech, right? So, so what we'll go through today is, is US banks, a bit of macro, a bit of what we can tell from banks' earnings so far, which have all come last week. Well, with Reggie here, we have to kind of get a bit political. We talk about bricks and how that might be expanding. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, and, and this is this was super interesting to be the China mortgage boycott, right? So it, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe how they have organized. It's like a bank run on, on a different scale. And, and so we'll talk a bit about that yeah. as well. All right. Sounds, sounds good. It's very, very financial finance politics focus today um so let's yeah, yeah. get every, every other time on the show we have to do some like china thing right like yep <laughs> you, did, you didn't even ask me you just you just had to choose the i, I the will just choose the china like, thing okay. and also because i don't want to pay my mortgage yeah. la, so you know <laughs> if there's lessons for us that'll be good um well i'm, I'm not sure but yes happy to be happy to be talking about it mm. Alright, so yeah, let, let's start with the, the, the big, the, the usual semi-macro one first, US bank earnings, right? So over the past week, um, I, I don't know if, if you follow US banks, but essentially the, the four, five, six biggest banks in the US announced their earnings, right? It's JP Morgan, Bank of Amer- America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Citi, and I think Wells Fargo, they, they all had earnings. I mean, I, I don't think we want to dive too deep into their individual earnings um, but but what I thought was relatively interesting is you know if we can just kind of look at it as a snapshot and see what else we can tell from these earnings right because revenue up revenue down ah whatever but you know people like looking at bank earnings earnings as some sort of um, indicator of the strength of the economy so so this is kind of what, what I want to ask um, to and, and what, what I want to ask to talk about today right so you know Maybe just a bit of uh, overview before we start, right? Um, if you look at all these banks, their their earnings have all been relatively stable. I mean, short of one off like cost, their their earnings have been relatively stable. You know, because of rising interest rate, net net interest in margin is going up. Because uh, stock market is down, IPOs, M and A, specs, they they've all died, so fees from those have fallen. You know. <laughs> The default ratio. No more specs. Uh. I remember a year ago, specs was like the specs thing. Was super Everyone hot, was talking you know? about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, and 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 specs were great yeah, for fees, no but more. but that's died. Um, default ratios were all quite okay. Um, the banks have started increasing loan reserves, so so that's essentially what they think they might write off in future, 
right? And so so it, it's mm. a bit of a harbinger of a downturn there. But you know, and this was interesting to me. Credit card spending is actually going up, right? So so if you look at other macro factors, you you see consumer sentiment being like the the worst ever, like ever. But people are actually still spending on their credit cards. They are not really getting into more debt. So, you know, I think there's a question there as to whether consumers are really weak now or, or are they just, you know, pessimistic, right? So, you know, maybe before I share my thoughts, you can go first, right? What, what, what do you think about, you know, the, the US economy as a whole? I mean, I've been peddling this idea that there will be no recession, right? So I've been peddling this idea where you will see a financial recession. So like mm-hmm. we're already seeing it, a lot of um, your big, you know, your big major investment tools, whether it's your equities, even commodities are just coming down like free fall, you know. Um, so so e- everything is pretty much coming down, right? So you're probably going to see quite a winter in the financial markets for a period of time. It's not going to be like a short turnaround. I, I don't think that's going to, uh, happen as to the intricacies, right? This thing has become a behemoth. Uh. So everybody's gonna tell you some reason why it's gonna happen. For me, it's 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 you know it's 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 not as neat as what other people peddle. But generally, I think we all can see that it's down, and um, the mess is so messy that unlikely there'll be a quick way turnaround, right, for the financial economy. Uh, yeah. But I come from a different camp when it comes to the real economy. Right, okay. so when it comes to the real economy, I think it's gonna it's gonna roar, bro. Uh, it's it's just gonna, you know, the people have so much cash sitting around over this pandemic period. Um, it, it's gonna roar back. Right, so some people some people ask me, uh, whether whether the financial economy will then affect the real economy. I would say yes, on some level, there is some sort of uh, trickle. It will come in, but where I differ from a lot of these. Uh, big guys is uh, it depends on what kind of government structure you have right so when you listen to mainstream US safety <laughs> hey, for this topic always, eh? uh, free market because for our listeners for our listeners uh, that tune in weekly uh, I know some, I know a lot of you have like some sort of US exposure here and there uh, nobody really cares about Europe or Japan. You know, both their currencies <laughs> is in free fall. <laughs> so, uh, and probably you have built up some sort of exposure in China, mm. and your biggest long position most likely is Singapore. Uh, that's your biggest long because you make money in Singapore. Your flat is in Singapore dollar. Everything is in in SGD, right? So, yep. you are very tied to the Singapore economy, and I think where I'm going with is the Singapore economy has, um, for the longest time, not a not a free market kind of like mm. neoliberal kind of idea. It's very Keynesian, right? So to without being technical, it just means that when the private market is doing very well, the government cheer, woohoo, everything very good, right? When the, when the private market is in a shit show, the government will step in to spend money, yep. right? You, and you see in all sorts of ways. The spending have changed over time um, during Kuan Yu's period and Jok Tong's period. Uh, yeah, they're like my friend, right? Much <laughs> I'm like, you know, <laughs> first name is... <laughs> So during that period, there was a lot of uh, infrastructure building, right? Yep. So you built more railways, you built more big stuff, you know. Uh, but during Sien Long's era, I think there's a bit of a change. Mm-hmm. Right? You see all these kind of like upscaling, uh, sponsor your development, rescaling, a bit more, uh, some of these softer touch. But all in all, all these things are really just throwing money in the economy to kind of beef it up and, and get it going mm. again, right? So it's a bit of a... Keynesian idea where yeah, when the private markets are horrible, the public markets or the government will come in to fill up that gap. Okay. Right. So when I look at it from that view, uh, 
I think it's it's it, it's not gonna be as bad as what a lot of these guys are are talking about, right? So so you will you you will not see roaring like whoa, economy is gonna be amazing. Not probably not, but to make it sound like it's gonna be a horrible like economic downturn, horrible recession. Um, yeah, I, I, I cannot take that position at this point in time. La. That's, that's my view. Mm. And linking it back to what we were talking about, Thank I think the you. consumer is, is packed <laughs> with money at this point in time. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a professional. I'm a professional, right? So, <laughs> so linking it back to what we were talking about. <laughs> you know, so linking it back, um, I, I would say the consumer uh, is packed with, with, uh, with cash at this point in time. Really, I, I do think, you know, if you didn't lose a lot of money in the markets, then... Uh, a lot of people do have a lot of cash sitting around and waiting to spend. That's why I cannot get a ticket out of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I cannot get a house in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, yes. And, yes. and that's, a, that's a different discussion altogether. But yeah, so for me, that's where the consumer is at. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, I, I started off disagreeing with you and then I think we ended up at a place where I kind of agree and, and that's where, you know, people, you know, we, we always, to, to be... The, the whole thing about the interest rate hikes and all that have really just been to slow down the economy a bit, right? Because we had supply constraints, everybody had a lot of cash, they were, they were more than willing to spend it. At least the, the middle and upper people were more than willing to spend it and they led to increasing inflation, which, you know, penalized the, poor, the poorer people in, in that sense. And so, you know, the, the Fed and, and there, there was some political weight behind lowering that. So, so that's all fine. Right, and I think that and the whole point on a very high level is that the, the interest rate hikes to are there to dampen demand, right? And, and you kind of see that working by people preparing themselves for a recession, right? Or people pre- preparing themselves for a downturn, because once they think that the future is less bright, you know that that is going to be tough, then you just automatically, hopefully, stop spending and start saving a bit more, right? So you know. I think then that, that, that that's kind of counterintuitive, right? assuming yeah. inflation rate stays high. Yes. Mm. So so it, it might not work, but that's we'll, a different we'll discussion. Different it's discussion. a different discussion. We'll see. So, but you know, I think we'll you you're right. The the consumer mm. is still strong, right? They might be very sad. They might be very pessimistic about what's going to happen in the next year. But as of now, they still have cash. Their, their household balance sheets are great. They're not defaulting on their loans. Companies, you know, a bit harder to get funds, but also not really defaulting on their loans. So, you know, and, and of course, employment is super strong in, in the US at least, right? So where is the recession going to come from? Um, it, maybe it's just yeah, I, temporary or, or it's going to be slow, slowed or slightly negative growth for a bit. But, you know, does it really affect people's day-to-day and all that? I think, and therefore... You know, is it really going to be very bad, like the Great Depression? I think that that is something that is mm. seems unlikely at this stage, lah. Yeah, and I, I, and I also think the the global the global GDP composite has changed, right? I mean, we we all know that you know it's no longer just a US led kind of situation, and um, yeah, many of the other big economies, not just China, you know, Russia, even Saudi. Um, which is what some of the stuff we're going to talk about, they, they have all big, big state intervention, right? So yep. the country runs a lot of these big companies. Some of the biggest companies in the world are run by the state, right? So uh, it can be an endless discussion, whether is it the brother, father, mother, son, okay, never mind. <laughs> one not important. But, you know, they are run by the nation and run by the state. So when that happens, right, it means that the anchor of today's economic mix or global GDP is no longer just private enterprise trying to make money, 
right? And it's it's a, a lot more complicated and state enterprises tend to stay around. Like they, they stay fixed. Nah. Mm. <laughs> uh, that that's always the always the debate around them. Uh, but yeah, SMRT will continue to run, SBS will continue to run, <laughs> you know. A lot of these things will continue to run. Uh, so I, I, I really I really differ from the mainstream view of the real economy is going to be a shit show. We are firstly coming out from a horrible place, right? Um, but bringing it to where the US banks are, I mean, I'm not a deep, deep study into the US banks, right? But like you said, the US banks give us a good insight as to what's happening. And yeah, so clearly, clearly the US banks are positioning for recession. And that's the part that I'm like, eh? I no, don't really understand. See, right? It's so, okay, uh, right? Yeah. Because all they do to position mm. for recession is to put more reserves aside. Then it's like what happened exactly a year ago. If no, like, but it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Well, if you not, think about not necessarily it, because yeah. they don't stop lending, right? Unless the unless there's really a lack of liquidity, they don't stop lending. They they still want loan growth and all that. So all it is is you know, like in 2020, right? COVID hit. They put aside billions in reserves, like literally tens of billions in reserves because they were expecting a lot of defaults. Last year, and, and this explains why they had such great earnings last year, they decided, well, this is probably going to be unnecessary. So they released all those reserves and it's now classified as profit, right? And and now they've started building out the reserves again. So it's it's all just kind of pushing paper in different columns, right? It's, it's not hand, necessarily, right yeah. I mean, I think what, what will be, be a bad sign is if default rates start going up. I mean, they are, they are a bit low now artificially because of stimulus and all that. But once they, they go up or they go above historical levels, then that's really a cause for concern because that means that your real economy you know, isn't functioning enough for people to pay back normal debts. But I think one, and, and one last point I, I kind of wanted to, to bring up was you know, when we first started this rate hiking cycle at like January or February this year, right? Everybody was saying, go buy banks, go buy banks because banks are beneficiaries during um, interest rate hikes. They have um, better net interest margin and all that. I think with the last six months of earnings, we can kind of say that that's wrong, <laughs> um, at least for the US, mm-hmm. right? Because they have, you know, they, they have higher... people to do US tech, right? So... Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, you can buy my bags of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of US tech. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But you can buy my bags in DBS too. <laughs> I have lots of DBS, right? <laughs> but at, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, the, the US banks get revenue from not only interest because they're commercial banks, but also fees and, you know, trading and, and all of that, right? So if they... If there's a general economic downturn or, or pessimism, all the activity gets slashed um, in the rate hiking cycle. So it's not necessary that they'll, they'll come out ahead. Right? They might come out a bit ahead in the, long, in, in the medium term, but, but that's about it. Maybe Singapore is different. We'll, we'll see with DBS and UOB earnings in the next few weeks. But yeah, I think that's just something yeah, to keep I, in I'm mind. I'm actually quite intrigued. Yeah, I'm actually quite intrigued that the m numbers are down. Mm. I was on. I was from the camp that M and A's will will be much higher, you know, than. Oh than no, bro! I might, so maybe I, I might get cred- fired soon. We, we had, our deal flow has just like mm. since two months ago has just slowed, like really, really slow. Uh, you you get to see a lot more like maybe because capital is getting too. Yeah, expensive. it's a bit constrained. You you, know? you, you see yeah. a lot more like special situations. Mm. You see a lot more like quasi debt equity mm. type of structures, but these get. Are more complicated and and people are not just throwing money at investments now lah. So so deal flow is is slower. And IPO market I is there something. La, essentially, right? Yeah, it's pretty much there yeah. la, la. So 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 that's another <laughs> big nothing. revenue source. Con. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think that yeah, that's yeah, about it yeah. for banks. Cool. Right. Let's talk about politics. Mm, if you want more, Reggie. you can check out uh, trading matters. 
Right, I host I host the other <laughs> show, Trading Matters with OCBC. Right, the, the analysts love to talk about banks, right? And then we we can go there and, and have a have a good discussion. Yes. Uh, but from me, I'm bringing to the table um, the the expected like, I mean, like what Anthony said, right? You know, if I'm on the show, then we're gonna talk about some political stuff because that that's what I consume day in day out, right? And yep. one of the biggest things that I've been very concerned about is uh, whether the US dollar will stay strong for the extended period of time, because. Um, Everyone is talking about like or oh, buy the dip, you know, focus on fundamentals. Even Buffett say I will not bet against the US, you know, all these kind of things which which I understand where they are coming from, the fundamentals of businesses, uh, and blah blah blah. But there's always a bothering question of like, um, but I'm holding all these in USD, right? So what if the USD slums, right? Which is a very viable Situ- or increasingly viable situation as we as we think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? How is it going to open up? So I've been very, very concerned about this. So I'm bringing to you this piece of news that says that BRICS, okay, B-R-I-C-S, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, this group that they have formed together, you know, about 10 years ago, BRICS expects Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey to join the group soon. Okay, so some people will say, ah, yeah, only expect la, only say soon la. But you know, in geopolitics, right, all this soon expect, right, it's, it's, it means happen already. It means more or less we're getting there, right? Mm. So they have already come to a preliminary understanding. That's why they sound it out and test, you know, just kind of test, see what's going on, close the final kings and bring it back to the US to want to debate for better terms and... <laughs> <laughs> but generally, they are they are in the ballpark already. Yeah. Right? Nobody comes out, um, yeah, and swing something like that. So the interesting part is, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and Egypt are all very important allies of the US. Okay. okay, they're all very important allies. I mean, Saudi, you don't need me to tell yep. you, you know, they they and the US are like, you know, they're good friends. But recently, interestingly, the spokesperson of the king went, went you know, on MSNBC and said, that, oh yeah, you know, maybe the US also has some issues. Look at Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? What's going on? Right? So, so there's a lot of uh, those kind of things that I think observing this move is making me very intrigued on the geopolitical development of whether will we hasten this process of going into a multipolar world where it's not just the US. Right now, China has a, his own pole, Russia has his own pole. And then, by extension, for many of us retail listeners, uh, will the USD then depreciate? Right? I think that's that's kind of where where I found it very interesting, you know, from a political front. Okay, let's uh, let's yeah, take us let's take a step back, yeah. Um, so so BRICS, mm. I think you know, just a bit of history. They or uh, BRIC without South Africa was really just meant to be the largest emerging economies, right? So if you look at Brazil, that that's a lot the by by a big margin the largest economy in South America, which is underdeveloped. Um, Russia obviously, and and India and China obviously we all know, right? They, these are meant to be the growth powerhouses in in the coming decades because they have a big population. Um, well, not not so much China in terms of growing population now, but a you know, big population, um, a lot of economic development coming up and all of that. Then they had South Africa, which was like uh, a bit weird because they are they are big but not super big. Right and and then now they 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 want to be adding a, a few other countries so so it seems as if you know it, it's a it was some sort of very informal network of emerging economies of big emerging economies coming together to talk about their problems and and try to find a better place in the world for themselves to to this weird 
quasi network um, semi-formal network of well th- this are not really you know for want of a better word the white people right it's not europe it's not <laughs> us <laughs> maybe maybe south africa a little bit yeah maybe yes. south africa a little bit uh, yeah. russia definitely white mm. but not not what, what we traditionally yeah. think of as the west different it's a slav right uh, it, it's, it's completely right? different, they're, they're different so yes. So yeah, I mean, th- this is interesting. It seems as if you know we we are building a slightly different coalition of you know it's a very sorry it's a very different coalition of countries from what we traditionally think of as the West. So yeah, it's very interesting times yeah, ahead. I'd say. Yeah. And I think like what Anthony said, right? It this is a supposedly an informal. It, you can kind of see like an event, you know, like mm. a forum. We come and talk, you know. They are not a defense pact. They are not like the EU, which have you know uh, centralized trade policies, centralized legal policies. They are not even like ASEAN, yeah, you know, exactly. where they come out with some sort of uh, you know free movement or some sort of like we cannot say free lah, huh? some sort of movement ease, you know. Is they? It's not even as organized as a pact, you know, mm. but. You know, they they, they it, I think it's a little bit quite a signaling thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like what like what Anthony has said, right? It's a signal to say that, hey, you know, um, we have friends. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, we are, we are, we are, we are friends, and uh, we want to be closer. We want to work through some of these problems, and uh, we don't just want to be pushed around. And I and I've observed this through the whole Russian Ukraine situation, yep. right? So the U.S. media keeps saying that uh, the international community, international community, like, what international community? It's just the West. Yeah, I mean, right? So everyone else <laughs> in the UN, they did not have the majority, right? <laughs> but most people, have yeah, stayed. they don't, they don't, yeah. And every single one of the BRICS nation did not support all, all the things that that. The US wanted right. India, India's minister went went out and said that hey, sorry, uh, you want us to stop buying from Russia? You guys stop buying first. You guys buy way more than us, <laughs> right? So, and and for me, these are are interesting. Not because that they fundamentally signal a shift in policies or like you know geopolitical shift, but it it shows this increasing confidence and strength of some of these, you know growing nations that say that hey you know we are also important here you know don't mess around with us yeah. right for them to be able to to just go out there and, and do it publicly because I'm very sure these things are discussed privately you know but to do it on the public front is a different discussion so will this then signal an increase in this push towards a multipolar world and then the end of the US dollar uh, question to you Anthony what do you think I don't think so I, okay in the next 10 years, no, right? So, so maybe 30 years down the line, yes. Um, in, in the next 10 years, no. And, and I, I say this not because I think the US is a great and deserving political power. It, it isn't. Right? I think that they have shown in the last few years a lot of problems with, with a liberal democracy um, and, and like unfettered capitalism in, in a sense. There? Um, no, 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 there? but, 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 <laughs> but, uh, fully ourselves back, right? Um, you know, it is at the end of the day for now still a dollar denominated system, right? Almost all trade yes. is, is done in dollars, um, even if you're not an yes. ally, right? Um, even in Singapore, you know, you, you can do a loan from DBS to some to some Singapore company, everything is based in Singapore, you denominate a loan in US dollars, right? Or, or you, you buy something from a local, from a semi-foreign supplier, everything is in USD. So that's not going to change, right? Um, the US, for better or worse, still, I think, has the largest 
trade account in the world by a margin as well. So it's not just GDP. In terms of trade and sale of services and all that, they are still way ahead, not even accounting for euro, right? So there, there is a way to go before the dominance is actually really threatened, I think. I mean, you, you can do all sorts of funny yeah. things, right? You can say, I want an alternative to SWIFT, which is really just a messaging system. I don't know why. But yeah, you can, you can say all these things. Um, you can say we want to denom- denominate more currencies in yuan or in, well, nobody uses Rubona, but in yuan or in... Uh, yeah, see, that, that's the thing, right? There's no alternative to, to a strong currency. You know, you're not going to use the Lira, you're not going to use the, the Rubo, you're not going to use the Rials, you know, you're not going to use the Rupees. There, there is no alternative, right? The, the next best alternative is euros, so, which again is part of that alliance. So, how how are things going to change? I, I mean, I really don't see it coming through in the next few years. Um, that being said, right, you can see devaluation in the USD. That's fine, I think. But that that would, to me is just more a, a factor that it has run up so much over the last few months because of the the trade accounts and all that. So it's bound to come down someday. Right. And and that's about it. It's more a return to the mean. It's it's not really some sort of structural defect. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's not a structural change. Um yeah, I agree I agree with you. Um although although for me I, I look at it in a in a slightly more pessimistic way on, on this front, but I'm also on the camp that it's gonna take at least another decade. Right. Another cycle or so of uh, messy shit, you know, <laughs> uh, and power is very sticky, right? So these kind of things, they they, they can take a long time to disappear, right? So um, yeah, we, we're not going to that here in, in our discussion, <laughs> but uh, I think the base case here, I think, is that the US dollar is it's going to be around for a little bit longer, but at the same time, I think for a lot of us listening in, if you are super geeky about you know trying to invest into the future, you can also look up on some of the reserves, you know, composition, you know, from some of the other countries, right? So, I think Singapore has been building up their reserve composition, you know, in different currencies over yep. time, and uh, China is becoming a bigger and bigger one, and you can see the yuan start to become a bigger part of people's reserves currencies, right? So. Um, there, there is a shift. There is a global shift. It will not be a quick one. You know, don't be like those kind of like Burma bears, right? It's always, always bear one. Right? So it, it, it will collapse it's not tomorrow. Like it's not gonna be a quick one. No, <laughs> bro. If it collapse tomorrow, then I just stay here. Already, like, whatever, <laughs> like. <laughs> you know. So it's not gonna be a quick one. Um, but I will. I will say that if you are super geeky and you want to go a little bit on the fringe to explore an idea, maybe you can check out this thing called the dollar milkshake theory. Right, uh, which talks about how the USD's uh, devaluation is gonna suck up value from other currencies. Right? Very interesting. But I, I'm, I'm not from the camp that it is actually accurate. But I think it's an interesting view to, to think about. Right. So yeah, that's kind of where I am. You know, and definitely I can vividly see and sense the developing world trying to come together, to um, yeah, to negotiate. You know whether or not it will be a hard pivot, or is it just a evolution? That's a different discussion. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and I, I'm kind of all for every country having their own voice and having a stronger voice, right? We we should not be trampled because otherwise we would still be in a colonial. It feels like you've changed your position over time, Lee. Huh? No la, I mean, <laughs> I I like the little man, right? Except when I'm in power, then I like to mm. you know keep my power la. So I'm I'm purely <laughs> self centered. <laughs> You know, I, I support the underdog unless <laughs> I'm not the underdog. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> but but yeah, yeah, I mean, I support the underdog. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah, but you know, all, all countries kind of need to to be able to express their sovereignty and and all that. And I mean, come on lah, the the US has their own problems, right? What what I, my my last point about you know the the decline of the US in in a sense is and. and this I think might actually happen is if in one if one day their economy is no longer really producing, they are being less competitive internationally for for whatever reason. One of the playbooks is really to devalue their own currency, right? Because that that's when you get exports out. That that's when you try to push your international competitor. It's essentially they become an emerging market, and I don't know who else becomes a developed market, right? So you know, and because of that, you know, that is really the very long-term play that you need to see happen if the U.S. needs to devalue. It's really that the U.S. itself is no longer the major commercial power in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we may see in our lifetime, but maybe, not, maybe. Like, not like tomorrow. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I yeah, also think we'll see an opposition thing, government yes. in Singapore in our lifetime, but you know, there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eh, what? Mm, ah, wow. <laughs> Guys, we're going to start a new show. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to no. start a new show. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's it for bricks. All right. Then well, lastly, I think just on China, right? And and more about well, people power in a sense. Um so, you know, we we, we have been talking a lot about Evergrande, or well, not a lot, but it's it's been quiet for a bit, but the, the Evergrande thing has always been continuing, right? It it hasn't ended. Um, in case people were wondering. And you know, and as part of the the whole Evergrande thing, thing that that has meant that a lot of property developers in China are in financial trouble. They have not been completing their projects on time, and all of that. And what came out last week was this news that that kind of got viral, that thous- at least thousands, if if not more, of Chinese had threatened their banks that they will stop making their mortgage payments. Right. So so can you imagine you you go to a new launch, Amo Residence, you you buy. Um, you, you put your check, whatever, you, they, they draw down on the loan. Then one day a developer say, I'm not building anymore. Then you say, fine, bank, DBS, I'm not paying anymore. Right. <laughs> and, and then you go, what? And, and, and this wasn't just, and this wasn't just one project, you know, I mean, thousands of people, yes, but it was about 2,000 projects, about 300 million USD worth of like loans, threatening not to pay. I mean, in the big scheme of things, like small amount, right? It's one and a half percent of all their mortgage loans. But I mean, to to get three to get thousands of people involved, to get like three hundred million dollars worth USD worth of loans threatening your default, hey, that that's quite amazing for individuals to organize and achieve. So I just wanted to say, hooray! You know, this this is fantastic news. <laughs> I, I was I, I love this news. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like socialism socialism. So, so, socialism I don't pay for property They're not building me I don't pay Very fair what? Right yeah, um, yeah. No, But Yeah Maybe just to, to Finish up the picture and, and I was thinking about this And, and it just felt Very weird And it felt like Something that Wouldn't happen in Singapore And, and That's because The way we structure Our You know Real estate development is always just you know escrow accounts. So the developer will will take a development loan from the banks. They will build up to a certain percentage. They'll prove that they built it. The bank will lend them money as as sort of reimbursement, right? So so you always get complete. So the in a sense the the builder takes the risk until it reaches a certain point, and that kind of 
and whatever you know and let's say the developer sells like 50 percent of the property on launch day and and they get money into their bank accounts those bank account those amounts are not to be withdrawn they are secured in favor of the bank it, it's all very very project specific and and it's harder for project monies to leak out into the general property developers pocket right and unfortunately or unfortunately that just wasn't how chinese real estate development was done la. Right, any money that um, Evergrande could take in for any particular project, they could use in another one, right? And and because this one ring fast, that's just le- leads to you know once a problem like this comes out, it just leads to the the whole the whole property market because you are essentially it's a Ponzi that's collapsed, right? There just isn't enough money to mm, mm. go to to go around to pay. Oh, I just called the Chinese market a Ponzi. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I think following that thought, uh, previously we were talking about this Evergrande situation or Evergrande, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I was from the camp that uh, it will not collapse the economy, right? Because um, a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, but it's, it's leveraged up and you know, it's it's like the 08 financial crisis. I'm like, bro, you can study the 08 financial crisis, a different world. Right? It's derivatives on derivatives on derivatives, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> that one cannot sell one Nothing to sell down Okay It's like Mayo just a mayo like, you're, you're betting on a bet yep. Right So there's no There's no inherent value For you to liquidate Right And uh, when you First so, so it's interesting How the Chinese people Can even go and protest You know This is a form of protest yeah. Right it, How they can even go and protest Fundamentally suggests That the whole shit Is not dead yet You know Things are still moving You know Um People are still getting, you know, companies are getting broken up and regrouped and, you know, forced to fire sale and projects continue to go through. Um, you know, some projects are delayed. Of course, it's fully understandable. But yeah, like, like, like we were talking about it previously, the fundamentals are that, yes, it's a loan situation. They have leveraged up. But the core assets are there. The land is still there. The property can still be finished. People still want the property. Is not a situation of a derivative on a derivative, right? So in that view, it didn't really crash the whole market. Um, yeah, yeah. Anthony, you got something to say? But I, I was going to say that that things might be changing, right? Because mm. in in the sense that the developers are not completing whatever they had promised to complete, and it, it, it's beginning. You you kind of see the the beginning of the cycle of the end, right? The the developers cannot complete because they don't have money. You know, and because they don't have money, new home buyers don't want to come in to buy uncompleted projects because why the developer goes bust, you know, and well, obviously banks don't want to lend to developers because you know they're I mean why if they default right then the banks are out of the pocket as well. So th- this whole system is not going to work or it's not going to resolve itself without an injection of capital. Intervention. Yeah. Yes. So so it yes. needs somebody to put money in, like a Ponzi, right? You need money to come in, otherwise it collapses. And now the question is, and, and I think the question for all investors Ooh. is, you know, who puts the money in, <laughs> right? Because whoever puts the money in might suffer losses, and that's that's it, right? Um, can you imagine if you are Bank of China and or ICBC or whoever? And then and and this actually happened over the weekend, right? Because of, of all these news, um, one of the regulators came out and said, "Hey, um, I I would like our big banks to so to shoulder some social responsibility, right? Once and once you say that, you know, oh no, jalan, 
right? Please, yeah, I know, I know what's going. I know what you want, lah, bro. I understand. Yes, I understand. Please <laughs> let buddy to developers. Um, if you think they're qualified, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you know that that there's lots of qualifications, but essentially, about banks, please lend money out. And can then mm. if you are a shareholder of a bank. Right, if you are shareholder of ICBC, which I think a lot of Singaporeans are, maybe the older ones because they pay eight percent dividend with you, it's like zero point five price to book, which is unheard of for a bank. Mm. You know, and then you go, oh wait, is my bank is that I kind of own going to do national service? What what happens to all these loans that I make <laughs> and I don't get paid back? You know, like like how <laughs> is it just going to get slashed? So so that's going to be a problem if you're a bank investor and banks are made to to step in to inject capital. Um, maybe it's. It, maybe it's not the banks injecting capital, right? It could be the, the state-owned enterprises. They, they'll come in, they take over the project, they complete it because a lot of SOEs are construction companies like China State Construction, you know, and, and there is a very big social imperative to actually deliver projects, right? It, it's not for the Chinese government, I think. That it's not about making money. It's about delivering projects and, and making sure that whoever No revolution, them. no rebellion. Yes, correct. That's the main thing. Middle class, yes. please don't be upset with me. I need to be in power, right? <clears throat> yes, yes. So maybe the SOEs take it. Maybe the government itself just goes, I'll finance all of this. I use my Akong balance sheet, right? And I'll, I'll issue yeah. more bonds to the local governments. They'll, they'll top up the banks. They'll do everything. And maybe they'll be the ones left holding the bag because, you know, um, Papa government is super big. Don't worry, I got strong balance sheet. At most, I devalue my rent mm-hmm. a bit. I sell a bit more Apple products. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think. I think that actually from a different view speaks to the strength of the system, right? Right, Where you have state enterprises that are strong, that actually can come in to fulfill more complicated needs of society. You know, actually Singapore has a lot of that. You know, we, we, we have a lot of state-run stuff, right? We are a socialist country by... by <laughs> oh, sorry, cannot say. Cannot, cannot say, cannot say. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but we public housing, public school, public transport, public swimming pool, everything public, and you tell me we're not socialists. Okay, lah. Okay, we, 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 can, we can take that position. But just to recap some of your thoughts, actually, Kuan Yu ran as a socialist in the first round of election, and he lost, right? So he repackaged himself and he come back again. That's a different discussion. Yes. Uh, but you, you, you actually see that in uh, Singapore's development also. DBS actually merged with POSB. Right, because POSB was struggling with balance sheet, right? Because of course they were servicing the the mess, right? The people that are working hard, you know, uh, pe- people that work very hard and very very poor, la. They live month month to month, and uh, yeah, you can't run a bank with with money like that. That's not fixed. That's why DBS was forced to buy over POSB, right? So so these are cycles that I don't think are inherently a problem, unless of course you're an investor of DBS or or ICBC yes. in this case, <laughs> you know, uh, but. To recognize the strength of uh, such a system, which is more Keynesianic and uh, yeah, more having state enterprises in the game, right? Which, which is the part that I want to emphasize because that is the part that Western media does not talk about, and I'm very sure most of us consume financial information from Western media sources, right? So, in the West don't have this concept one you know if capital dries up it dries up then we got adjust interest rates la, try to get you know private capital to come back into the game la, blah 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 there's always that element of things right? it takes very long to get any kind of central power to come in like, like what Anthony said who is going to pay the bills right so it takes very long to get anyone to come in you know but um, 
in in Singapore and also in China, I can't speak for every other country, but these two countries I've spent a lot of energy looking at them. Um, there is a lot of state capital, you know, that is ready to step in in uh, sticky situations like this. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm dead sure they will step they will step in. Uh, so it, it will not spiral down. It, it's more painful for them to spiral for the thing yeah. for the whole thing to spiral <coughs> out. As to how to make money out of this, uh, this one I'm not very sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't. I can't. <laughs> then cannot give me ideas how to do this you know uh, yeah, as to how to make money from the property sector specifically in China given this situation this uh, sorry I'm not I'm not very sure yes can I just, just <laughs> shot the bonds right they, they will like at, at the end of the day even if the government comes in to be allowed which which but for the record western governments if the situation gets bad enough sometimes do right it's bad enough they do yes. it yes so mm. so you know if it really comes down to it and, and there's a government bailout in a sense for, for China and, and you know I think in reality that's going to happen right it's just the size of the bailout that, that people that will be debated and and you can kind of see this as you know the beginning stages of the, the intervention again right uh, or more more transparent intervention because the real fear was a lack of confidence right imagine if that one 1.5% of loans became 5% people really really stopped repaying loans the, the whole circle let's not call oh, it a Ponzi come down, the, yes. the whole circle collapses mm. so you know th- yeah, this is yeah, really yeah. just welcome a, to finance yeah th- this is really just um <laughs> Shoring up confidence, making sure that you know people believe somehow that it will get delivered, and maybe the government will carry the can. Maybe some executives will go to jail or, or just disappear, right? But but there well, will maybe I'm I'm quite sure. Yeah, but but there, yeah, and we don't know I'm who yet, sure. right? But 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 there yeah, will we don't know who we don't know. I cannot pinpoint, but yes, there is something going on. Yes. Yep, and, and I think as an investor, you know, and and we have been super bullish on China long term, you know. For for many many months, if not years, but th- this is really a headwind, right? So we we talk, we talked a bit about like loosening macro, injecting liquidity to the system, but we we kind of forgot that well not forgot it, it's we kind of put in the back of our minds that Evergrande is still ongoing that the property the whole property crisis and, and how it and how it actually gets resolved is still ongoing, and, and that's going to be a headwind that that you know comes up from time to time. It'll, it'll, Take years to resolve, right? It will play out. I oh, think yeah, slowly yeah. invest, but just keep in mind that this still exists. Yeah, yeah. bad debt doesn't disappear like game like that, you know. Suddenly, ooh, you know, this. Yeah, is like, I just crack it off, like, I off already. To... Then I yeah, don't yeah. owe anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, if you want a rebellion or something, right? So these things take time to ingest and digest, uh, but there is a uh, there is a well-proven process around these things, right? It's not, and it didn't start with China, right? The the US and Europe has gone through multiple. Japan has gone through multiple rounds of things like that to know how to how to solve these things, right? How to structure bad debt to then you know push it elsewhere, let the economy you know re re liquidize the you know add more liquidity into the economy and then let it function again. So it is very well documented. 
um, yeah, I think where I'm coming from is not to be too alarmed, but also don't you know don't be don't be in a situation where you think it doesn't exist anymore yeah. right? because these things take take a while. Right? Yeah, and and I mean China themselves have done it with like Hainan Airlines, right? And that's like the the super high profile yeah, restructuring yeah. they did. So you know they they kind of know how to do it. They have a playbook. It's just letting it play out um, and and hoping, in a sense, that it plays out properly and it doesn't affect the the entire economy too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a cute story to share about Hainan Airlines, actually. You want to hear? Uh, sure. Well, you were on a flight and you got cancelled. You were stuck in Hainan for like years. <laughs> I was in Hong Kong. I wanted to fly to Taiwan and Hainan Airlines was on a on like a promotion, right? So I decided that, okay, I'll board Hainan Airlines. And I went there with a lot of luggage, about 40 kilograms because it was my last, like, I thought <laughs> crazy, right? So it was my last, like, uh, trip out of uh, Hong Kong because I'm done with my assignment there. And I was also bringing my friend's luggage, right? So I didn't realize that there was so much, you know. <laughs> so, I, I, so I went to the counter and I was like, okay, well, Tengji. So I put my luggage there and then the person looked at me and said, oh, um, sir, overweight, uh, 40 kg. You know what I asked him? Uh, how about you just close one eye? <laughs> And the lady was like, uh, it's 40 kg. Cannot close. <laughs> Horrible <sighs> Chinese people. Uh, always ask people close eyes. Uh. Cannot. Cannot. In the end, I upgraded and uh, set business class. Uh, so <laughs> that's my first without business class mouse, trip. Right? Yeah, life was great. Yeah, without using mouse, I pay hard cash. Right. Ooh. So it is one of these great experiences. I hope your friend paid airline. back for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. I didn't pursue that. Oh my wow. god, I should pursue it. <laughs> I had a great time in Taiwan. That was the start of the the my whole my whole different worldview. So so I think after that I forgot I forgot this whole thing. <laughs> and also just a random plug, Taiwan actually has a luggage storage service, so you can bring a lot of luggage in, right? And don't let it check out of the Taiwan airport. You can leave like forty kg of stuff <laughs> in the Taiwanese airport. You go and do your two weeks travel outside of Taiwan. You come back, right? You can just take the luggage and fly. You don't even need to check it. You know, you just go to the counter, say, "Well, Tengqi, you know, I want to board, and this is the the storage code that I was storing with." They will just immediately board it onto the plane. Sure. Yeah, Taiwan, Taiwan traveling services, man, amazing, really. Good, Shout good out place to, to transit. Woo. Yeah, good place to transit. Okay, sorry, yeah, that's not 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 the focus of the podcast, but random story. It's okay, it's story. okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we, we it's a nice place to end off, right? Reggie getting to take business class. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah um, I think that that's it for today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Thanks. All for right. Having. Yeah. Have Have a good one. <laughs> See you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback, so share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.